Mr. Dylan Robbins from Salina is our guest pianist today. Way to go, young man. Good morning, everyone. And good morning to all of our listeners on uh, T102. Uh, happy to have you with us here on the third February or third uh, Sunday in February here in 2017. Before we start, I'd uh, just like to go through a few announcements. Uh, the rose on the altar this morning is in, in honor of Carl and Mary Schmiel's 59th uh, wedding anniversary, which will be on Tuesday. If you happen to see them or want to give them a call, put the note in your mind and give them a jingle on that day. Uh, the, our new praise team will be leading our worship service today, so we encourage you to help them. Uh, after a while, also, we'll have a mission moment or a mission message with Dr. David Kimberly, a, an associate and friend of Pastor Joel, so he'll be up here. Reminder that wonderful Wednesdays start on March the 8th and then go through the entire rest of the Lenten season. Uh, open to everyone within the community. If you have friends who are uh, maybe outside the community, go ahead and invite them, bring them with you. Happy to have them. These are on Wednesday nights. Check your bulletin and you can get a little more details there. We'll be receiving new members on March 19th. So if you have any interest or know of anyone who has interest, uh, please get a hold of the church office or Pastor Joel. The uh, church pictorial is over there in the prayer room slash heritage room. And after the service, Sue and Connie will be there if you'd like to purchase an extra copy. So just stop over there right then. Okay, I believe that rounds up all the announcements. If you would, please, please stand. And, we'll, and join me in the call to worship. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Know that the Lord is God, and is He who has made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him, and praise His name. The Lord is good, and His endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Okay, if you will, please remain standing and sing along with the praise team, How Deep the Father's love for us.
Okay, we're going to switch a few things here real quick. Instead of having the ministry moment now, we're going to have Maria come up and we'll have the children's chat. So while you're standing, take a few minutes, greet your neighbors, say hi to everyone, and then we'll have the children come forward for children's chat. Good. How many of you played outside yesterday? Yeah. How many? How many of you are going to play outside today? Yeah, we got to enjoy this. Soak up some sunshine. All right. Well, hey, how many of you have ever planned a party? What do we need to do when we plan a party? You're right. We need to send invitations out. We need to make a list of people who we want to come to our party, and then we need to send invitations out. Kind of like this, huh? So I got the name, I got my return address, so the post, so the mailman doesn't get mad at me when he can't, doesn't know who to return it to, and a stamp, because Eric won't do his job if he doesn't have a stamp on it. <laughs> I can't pick on Jana, she's my mail lady. <laughs> So, we have to send out an invitation, okay? Now, we have our invitation. It has the address. It has the stamp on it. Now, where do we have to take it? To the post office, okay? So, what's it going to do when it gets to the post office? Okay, the the mail person is going to deliver it, right? Now, what if they decide, what if Eric decides he doesn't feel like delivering mail today? Can he just let the mail sit at the post office and go home and do whatever? No. Well, what if it's a rainy day and he doesn't want to get wet? You know, I don't like to get wet. Can we just not deliver the mail? No. The post office has this motto about they deliver the mail in sunshine, rain, snow, whatever the weather, the mail must go. Okay? So we, the mail people have to deliver the mail. Okay? So did you know that Jesus sent an invitation Did you get an invitation from Jesus? Maybe. (laughs) It says, his invitation says, come whoever is thirsty, let them come. And whoever wishes, let them take the free gift of water of life. And Jesus also decided who he wants to invite. Everyone. Jesus wants everyone at his party. He has invited everyone And the address on the envelope on the invitation says, whoever wants to come. If you got an invitation from Jesus, would you want to come? I would be there in a heartbeat. Yes. Now it's time to deliver the invitation. Okay? Jesus wants us to deliver an invitation. Are you guys ready to go out and be a mailman, be a mail lady and deliver? No. Well, it says right here in the Bible that we are supposed to go out and, and deliver God's message. It's called the Great Commission. Jesus told us to go everywhere and tell everyone about the love, his love for us. Jesus sent the invitation, and he has given the job of delivering that message to every single one of us. Okay? We need to deliver the message before it's too late. Because we want everybody to be at this party, okay? 
So you think about that. How can we deliver Jesus' message? Every day, we go out and we live and do things as Jesus would do. That's how we invite Jesus, how we invite people to Jesus' party. We tell them about Jesus and we say, hey, you know what? I know this awesome guy. His name is Jesus. If you want to learn more about him, I can come to Sunday school with me. Okay, we can learn all about him. That's the invitation. Invite people to learn about Jesus. Okay? So, when you get an invitation, that's your reminder to go out and invite as many people as you can think of to come to church to learn about Jesus. Okay? Let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for Jesus who came so that we might have eternal life. We thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to be our guide. Help us to be faithful in telling others about your love for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Have a great week. Thank you, Maria and the children. Uh, At this time, I want to invite uh, Pastor Dave Kimberly to come forward. Uh, Pastor Dave is a a friend of mine, uh, someone I've known for several years. Uh, Actually, he was... Um, just thinking about this this morning, you were one of the pastors that I had the privilege of inviting to my ordination service and, right. and sharing some words at, a, at my ordination service a few years ago. Um, uh, Dave and I have been a part of a, a prayer group of, of pastors in Northeast Ohio for, well, you were a part of it for a little longer than I was, uh, but I was a part of that for several years when I was a uh, pastor up in that area, and uh, glad to invite Dave to uh, First Church this morning to share with you about um, a new, uh, still relatively new adventure that you're on. Uh, Dave recently stepped down from about 37 years of pastoral ministry um, to start this new ministry of, of reaching out to other pastors and missionaries. And so I invited him here this morning to share a little about that. And, uh, and um, today's offering actually is going to be going to support his ministry. So that would be a perfect opportunity for you to hear more about it. Dave? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Good morning. Guten Tag. Und als man sagt in Bavaria, and as one says in Bavaria, Grüß Gott. God is so good. Ich heiße Dr. David Kimberly. My name is David Kimberly. Und es freut mich und uns. And it uh, pleases, it is a great pleasure for myself and us, my wife Joanne, uh, Ihnen kennenzulernen on diesen Tag, uh, to make your acquaintance on this morning. Uh, it is just a, and Joel, thank you so much. Thank, thank you for inviting us here. It is a privilege uh, to be here as a guest in your midst and above all together to do that which one day will yet further be revealed as to love and to worship the one who loves us. Uh, I'm here in part uh, primarily to worship him together with you but also to share a little bit about uh, what God is doing throughout the world and the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ throughout the world uh, and in the United States as well. The call of the uh, Barnabas ministry, but the call of the body of Christ, as was so gracefully shared with during the kids' chat, is taken out of Acts chapter 1-8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the ends of the earth. Bless First Church of New Knoxville for hearing and following that call. In my own story, 
Uh, I never believed that a day would come when I'd be doing something like this. Uh, as a young person, I completely jettisoned Christianity and churchianity. And I became Buddhist. I regarded myself as Buddhist and practiced a version of Zen Buddhism for three or four years. And then during my college years as to one untimely born, the Lord revealed himself to me and I came to him. And since that time, and ever since that time, uh, both Joanne and I, my wife Joanne and myself, have had a real sensitivity and appreciation for intercultural ministry. I love that scripture in Revelation, that in the presence of God there is every race and tongue and nation. And so by God's grace and the context in which we've served, we've always sought to, to be alert to and aware of uh, intercultural realities. Uh, and our own story, that included helping a Vietnamese family to resettle in the United States. It included uh, accompanying youth groups to the Hopi, Apache, and Navajo reservations in Arizona, as well as sending youth groups to inner-city Chicago. Uh, for the past 15 years, I have uh, sought to be of assistance to others in teaching faith and worldviews at Malone University, uh, helping people to understand the East and the West and the different worldviews that there are. I taught for seven years in Russia on an expatriate basis uh, and most recently have been to Nepal four times to be of support and assistance to the what I call the boots on the ground there, the missionaries uh, serving in that particular context to give them encouragement and support as they seek to uh, be of assistance to that country, uh, one of the poorest in the world. And the stories of of how those folk have been able to help the people there are, are extraordinary, uh, in, in my opinion, of course, uh, and, and would be in yours had I the time to elaborate further upon that. Um, the call that God has uh, issued to Joanne and myself is a call to support now, at this point in time in our lives, to support missionaries and pastors as they follow God's call upon them and serve him. There is a need for that. Let me share with you some data, some secure data. One in five missionaries going overseas leaves the field after their first term, perhaps about four years. So within the first four years, 20% of missionaries do not return to the field. 46% return back to the States after 10 years of service. So the turnover rate, if you will, for missionaries who go to other countries uh, and serve, seek to serve those countries in the name of Christ, the uh, turnover rate, the washout rate, to put it in those terms, is 46% after 10 years, which not only I but many others regard as a as a mournful loss of cultural sensitivity, what in some domains is called cultural intelligence, as well as relationships which have been built with, uh, with the people whom they are serving. That turnover is cut in half by way of the preventable factors that go into that. You can cut that turnover rate in half by providing 
what the Barnabas ministry seeks to provide and replicate. Not only this ministry, but many others. What they need is exactly what Moses needed at one point in his call as he was standing over the uh, battle with the Amalekites and his arms began to grow weary. All he needed was someone to come alongside him and hold his arms up. And Israel prevailed. I'll bet you know what that's like. I'll bet you've had a friend, a Barnabas in your life, when you were weary. And you didn't know if you could make it. And someone came alongside you and lifted you up. That's this. And by the way, I pray, and I'm fully assured and confident that that is happening right here, right now, in this body of believers, in ways known ultimately to the Lord. Bless you for coming along someone, coming alongside someone who needs a word of encouragement and support. Even Jesus benefited from that, as in the Stations of the Cross, Veronica gave him a cup of water when he was on his journey and fell to his knees. Now, that's confirmed data about missionaries. Let me share with you about pastors in the United, in the United States. This just came out from the Barna organization. They had a webcast on January 26th. This is the most comprehensive study of pastors in the United States ever conducted. This represents a compilation and an analysis of data from 14,000 pastors in the United States as current and comprehensive information as is available. There is much encouragement here. There is much good news here. But there is also uh, data that represents what's happening in people's lives that is cause for concern. So I'm on page 25. Let me quote. Barna asked pastors how many fellow pastors they personally know who have left ministry in the last five years. So, Barna asked 14,000 pastors if they knew any colleague or fellow pastor who had left pastoral ministry in the last five years. For time's sake, I won't read this entire paragraph. Let me summarize. The average number of former pastors known to have left because of stress is two. One in three reports they personally know three or more, and one in seven say they know five or more. Ladies and gentlemen, what that means is 14,000 pastors report that they know 28,000 pastors who have left pastoral ministry in the last five years. I don't know about you or what uh, label or adjective you would apply to that reality. I would, the adjective I apply to it is catastrophic. 
and the appeal, of course, that I uplift and raise. Lord bless you here in this body of believers. But pastors and all servants of the gospel, children's ministers, music folk, and others, need prayer and support because our day is a day of extraordinary transition and stress on all of us, but especially in the ministry of the gospel. I could share more data with you, but we'll uh, move on. I could share stories with you about Irina Mitina, an atheist, lawyer in Russia, who as an atheist came to the point of suicide and came to Christ. And is among those who planted a church in Voronezh with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I could tell you the story of Pastor Padam, a former Hindu priest who had always had his right arm paralyzed. And a group of Christian believers came to him and said, hey, you want us to pray for your arm? And he said, yeah, I'd like that, but I'm not going to convert. They said, that's fine. We love you. Just come to our prayer meeting and pray. Pastor Padam did that. The Christian believers laid hands on and prayed for him, and God instantaneously healed his arm. That story continues. It's a lovely story. In that moment, he did not convert. And three days later, over the next three days, gradually lost use of that arm. Well, this day, he is now a Christian pastor, and both arms are fully operative. And the story of what God did in that man's life is one that would we read in the book of Acts all the time and the New Testament and would lift your heart into the heavens. I could tell you the story of a parachurch uh, officer so stressed out, not only with his day, his full day in the organization where he works, but when he gets home and he's got stuff going at home and, oh my, just, and his description was 10 to 12 hours of, 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 of stressful work during the day and then he comes home and he's got to put another three to four hours of primary emotional energy into, into the situation at home. And now, there's focus and clarity in his life. He himself described to me recently how this past summer he would put one being catastrophic, five being, you know, cruising real good. Uh, he was a one, and now he's a four. I could tell you the story of a social worker, a Christian social worker with a heart uh, for black rap, young black man. By the way, the most of the ministries that Joanna and I have served in, many of them have been intercultural. And if I may, Joanne right now is serving uh, as a reading um, uh, specialist assistant in an inner city school in Canton, public school. 
And he has a dream. This young man has a dream. And his dream is to bring, in the context of the inner city, where there's no love, where many young people grow up, where there's no adult who cares for them, and to bring something, some musical event that would bring positivity and goodness into their lives. And we'll see by God's grace uh, whether that happens. Well, it will happen, the extent to which and how it happens. So, I could go on, but I close. Barnabas, without Barnabas in the New Testament, look at Acts chapter 4, verse 36, how Barnabas is described. Look at Barnabas's role in Mark in Acts 13, 13 and Acts 15, 37 through 39. Look at the role that Barnabas played in the Apostle Paul's life in Acts chapter 9, 11 and 13. And to summarize, if it hadn't been for Barnabas, it's entirely possible that the Gospel of Mark would not have been written. It's entirely conceivable that the letters of Paul would not have been written. Because of Barnabas, it is very, very uh, reasonable to say that without Barnabas, half of the New Testament wouldn't have been written. And you know what? We don't hear about him at all, do we? But we do what he did, I pray, which is to encourage one another. And pray for one another. All the more, Hebrews 10.25, as the day is drawing near. Well, uh, that's it. I think my time is up. I want to leave plenty of time for Joel. <laughs> well, love to pray for you. Would that be all right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> all right. Well, let's, let's pray for uh, Pastor Dave and his ministry. Father, thank you so much for Dave and, and what he brought to, to share with us today. Thank you for the uh, amazing ways that you're moving in his life and through his ministry and pray you would continue to do so. Um, we also lift up those uh, names that are listed in our bulletin um, who are struggling with health issues and other things, Lord. We lift them up to you and pray that your will would be done and that you would uh, be glorified through all these things. We pray these things in Christ's name who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father... Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. All right. Those helping with uh, offering, come forward at this time, and uh, the choir uh, will be blessing us with some more music ministry at the time. Thank you.
please remain standing. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very ends of the age. The word of the Lord. Thanks again, Maria. I tend to notice whenever you do children's chat, you often are the scripture reader too. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, uh, thank you again for this day. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to gather here and worship you uh, through music, through prayer, through scripture reading, and through hearing your word preached. I pray that you would uh, give me words to speak and open up all of our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. In Christ we pray these things. Amen. So today we're wrapping up our our sermon series here on our mission statement. I hope that you guys have been learning a lot. I know I have uh, about what it means to be the church and to really live it out. Um, you know, we've had this mission statement for a few years now. Um, and and for, for me, being the new guy, I guess, you know, it was helpful for me to, to think through it and work through it like we have over these past eight weeks. But I hope it was helpful for you as well uh, to really dig in and learn what it means to be the church and to live out our faith um, not only in our own lives, but as the, as the body of Christ as well. And there's something I noticed about these, these E statements that we've been working through. There's six of them. And the first five that we've preached in the last five weeks, um, encountering our Creator, embracing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, empowering lives through God's living word, the Bible, and so on, they all had, tend to have an inward focus, don't they? They're all things that we could easily and comfortably do right here in this room, Right? And, and with other believers that we know and, and are familiar with. Uh, all of those things can easily be done within the confines of, you know, quote-unquote, the church. And so uh, this last one that we're going to be looking at today uh, pushes us in a little bit different direction. And I think that's important because we have a natural tendency simply to just turn inward. You know, especially, especially when it comes to matters of faith and, and what we do as a church. It's just natural for us to to focus in on ourselves. Um, it's not, not even necessarily a selfish thing to do. It's just kind of natural, natural to just turn in um, and, and think about ourselves and our own well-being instead of necessarily looking outward and looking to others. It's much easier to circle the wagons and just think about us than it is to venture outside of these walls and reach people for Christ. Not that there's anything necessarily wrong with, with focusing on ourselves from time to time, you know, in order to build ourselves up and to build each other up, as Pastor Dave was sharing as part of that Barnabas ministry, that is a very important thing to do. And it's, it's critical because, because if our well runs dry, right, we can't, can't be very effective in ministry when we try to reach out to others. But if that's all that we do, if all that we're doing is focusing in on ourselves and, and focusing in on those that are here with us on Sunday mornings or even listening in on the radio, if that's all we do, then we're, we're missing the bigger part of the picture, Right? We're only seeing a small, we're only seeing a part of it. Instead, what, what God commands us to do and what Jesus commanded his disciples and in turn us to do is to have that bigger picture focus. 
of not just looking in at ourselves and what we can do for, for our, our church here in New Knoxville, but reaching out into the wider world for Christ. Jesus understood that we have that natural pull inward uh, to form these holy huddles. I used to tell my youth group, you know, we got to quit forming these holy huddles where we just circle in and worry about ourselves. We need to break those and move out and look outward. Jesus understood that. And that's why before returning to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, he gave his disciples one last command to go and to make disciples of all nations. And we can't do that. We can't make disciples like Jesus calls us to if we just sit around, you know, drinking coffee at our church. We need to get outside of these walls. We need to look outward in order to fulfill that calling. The disciples like us, they needed to be reminded of Jesus' mission. Jesus came here in order to reach a lost world with the love of God. And that through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, God was reconciling the world to himself. That's the whole purpose of, of why Christ was here in the first place, right? That was his mission, and he accomplished that through his life, death, and resurrection. And now we're here to now continue that mission on, to, to continue uh, that mission that, that Jesus is on and what he calls us to do, and that's to reach the world with that same message. And in order to reach the lost, in order to reach out to those that God wants us to, to reach out to, the disciples needed to turn their attention outward, and so do we. And so in this passage that Maria just read for you, we see this, this commission, this great commission that Jesus gave his disciples, this one, one last final command. And if you think about it, it kind of sums up what Jesus was all about and what Jesus came here to do, and that's to reach the world. And so he now passes that mission and passes that responsibility on to us. And so as the disciples gather one last time before Jesus returned to, to be with the Father, um, they, first of all, they bow down and they worship him. And, and if you notice through the Gospels, worship only occurred post-resurrection, right? When Jesus, before Jesus' death and resurrection, you know, they acknowledged him as the Messiah. They acknowledged him as, as God's chosen one. But it was only after the resurrection that we see them actually worshiping him as God. Um, obviously, if you, you know, were there to witness and, and saw Jesus die and was, was raised from the dead, that was pretty good proof of who he claimed to be. Right, And so it finally clicked for many of them. And, and for the disciples, it wasn't their first time seeing him. Other, the other Gospels record several um, encounters that they had with the risen Lord. And so this was one of many that took place between the resurrection and his returning to the Father. But it's interesting here, I think, that it says that they bowed down and worshipped him, but it, but it also says that some doubted. That's just, that's, and it's an interesting little tidbit of information for the gospel writer to include there. Um, and to be honest, I, I find a little bit of comfort in that, 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 they, that there was both worship and, and a little bit of doubt and a little bit of uncertainty going on there. And I don't believe that it was doubt um, caused by disbelief. I think that their fears and their doubts about that were, were, were disproven when, when they witnessed Jesus' resurrection. You know, I think of, of Thomas, who's known for his doubts, right, doubting Thomas. He had, he had concerns about that. He said, I'm not going to believe it until I actually see him and can put my hands in his wounds, right? Um, but the moment that Jesus appeared to him, he didn't need any more proof. He bowed down, and he was actually the first to declare, my, my Lord and my God. Um, and so, so the doubts that they had, I don't think, were necessarily about who Jesus was. Uh, but I think it was doubt in the sense of, where do we go from here? Like, what are, what are we called to do? 
You know, if Jesus is returning to the Father, what are we supposed to do? He's been here with us for three years, and now he's going to be gone? Like, what? how, how do we go on from here? And I'm sure we've all had those same kind of questions, too. Right? What does God really want me to do in my life? What's God calling me to? And how am I supposed to do that if that's what God wants me to do? Right? If, if Jesus, is Jesus really here with me right now? Any of you have those questions? I think those are the kind of doubts that were creeping in there. One of my, I, I love this passage from Mark uh, 9, 23 and 24. It's this healing story. Um, Jesus and, had just gone up to the Mount Transfiguration, and, and, and Peter, James, and John had just witnessed you know, Jesus in his glory. And they come down the mountain, and immediately they're confronted with this epileptic boy who who's, um, needs to be healed. And so Jesus asked the Father, who's, who's, who had come to Jesus to ask him to be healed, Jesus asked him, do you believe? And, he, and the Father responds, and I think the most honest way, and I think the way that we often need to respond, I believe, help me in my unbelief. And I think that's such a, it's, it's, the, it's that intersection of, of uncertainty, but, but confidence in who God is and who, what he's been doing through Christ. I believe, help my unbelief. Um, as we go out on the, into the world, as we go out to enrich the body of Christ by supporting fellow disciples, you know, it's not going to always be easy. There's going to be times of uncertainty and, and maybe a little bit of doubt, right? Is this really what you want me to do, God? Are you sure about that? <laughs> In those moments, we need to pray like that guy prayed. I believe, help me in my unbelief. I believe, I believe you've called me to this, God. I have no idea what I'm doing sometimes, but, but help me out here. I believe, help me in my unbelief. Um, as we go out to reach fellow disciples, it's important for us to, to have that same sense of, of commitment. And yet, uh, you know, when we, when we have those uncertainties, when we have that doubt, to bring it to God and allow him to help us. And work through that. Sometimes we simply need to be reminded of God's promises or need a little encouragement to get our focus back where it should be. And Jesus does that in these following verses. And so what we have here is, as Maria mentioned in our children's chat today, uh, Jesus gives the Great Commission, this final command to his disciples. Uh, and he prefaces it by, by telling his disciples that all authority on heaven and on earth had been given to him. See, now that Jesus had gone through death and was resurrected, uh, he was now about to return to the Father to sit at his right hand as King of kings and Lord of lords. Um, throughout Jesus' um, ministry, uh, it talked about uh, the authority that Jesus had received from the Father. Uh, actually, first, if you back up to the Old Testament, we see God's authority is absolute, um, Psalm 103.19, and that his authority is righteous and just. Psalm 89:14. In other words, God's not a mad tyrant or dictator. He's a righteous and just ruler, something that we can put our confidence and hope in. But then as we move into the New Testament, we see that God gives that authority to his son, to Jesus. In Mark, Matthew 9:6-8, we see that Jesus has the authority to forgive sins, in John 5:27 that he has the authority to judge humanity, um, in John 17:2 that he has the authority to carry out the divine will that God had sent him to this earth to do. He has the authority to, to carry that out. And, and we see throughout the New Testament this comment that, that all authority had been given to him by the Father. Right? This, was, this was God's plan. He is God's son, and it's God's authority that Jesus is, is commanding. And so Jesus himself has that authority, and it's, and it's out of that authority that he then sends his, these disciples. I think it's important that he preface that because it's, he's not sending them out on some hopeless mission. 
Right? He's not sending them out on this, this task and the, where the end is going to be a little uncertain. The outcome is unknown. Uh, Jesus, before he sends them out, says, don't worry about it, because all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. In other words, we have confidence that, that this mission that he's sending us on is going to be successful, one way or another. And so we have that hope and, and, and we have that reassurance that he is in control. That's why it says, it says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. See, the, the commission comes out of that authority that, that Jesus has as King of kings and Lord of lords. And so now we're called to be ambassadors in the world. Second Corinthians 5, uh, Paul talks about our role as ambassadors. Beginning in verse 16, he says, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. See, ambassadors, they live under the rule and authority of their home country. Right? They're living in, in another country. They're living in foreign territory. But ambassador lives under the rule and the authority of his homeland. In the same way, we, we, are, we should not conform to the image of this world right? when it contradicts the values and characteristics of the kingdom of God. We're called to, to allegiance to God's kingdom and his will. And, and so as ambassadors, we live according to that, even when it maybe goes against the flow of what our culture says or what may be another culture in a foreign land may say. Right? God's rule, God's authority is what matters. And so as ambassadors, we live according to that. Ambassadors also carry a message from their home country. An ambassador's job is to be, in a sense, the middleman between, between the king and the land and the country that he's living in. And so the ambassador carries out God's will, but he also delivers that message to, to the land that he's living in. In the same way, we've been given that invitation. We've been given that, that message to deliver to the world that we are in. You know, we're living as ambassadors in this world, and so we carry the greatest message of all, the gospel, the good news of what Christ has done for us. And you heard it described there in that passage, 2 Corinthians 5, that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. He took our sin upon himself so that we could be forgiven. And so as ambassadors, then, we're called to go and make disciples, um, and not just converts. Uh, we're going, we're making, we're baptizing, we're teaching. All these words are, are participles. They're, they're, they're action words that, that show that the, the process is ongoing. In other words, it's not just a one-time thing. It's not something reserved for a special occasion, but it's something that we're all called to do on a regular basis as part of our everyday, ongoing lives. And there's two parts to it. We're first called um, to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in, in other words, um, baptism represents reaching people for Christ, inviting them to be in a relationship with Jesus for the first time. Baptism uh, symbolizes new birth, repentance from our sin, transformation, God's faithful covenant with his people. 
Galatians 2, 19 through 20, Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live now in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So when we, in, when we go out to make disciples, first we need to reach people with that, that message of what God has done for us through Christ and invite them into a relationship with God to put their trust in him for the first time. We need to reach out to a lost world with the love of Christ and demonstrate God's love in practical ways too. You know, when we reach out to somebody and, and love on them and, and, and God's love works through us, it opens doors to then speak truth into their lives. And often we need to do that. We need to build that relationship. We need to reach out to someone, right, before they're really willing to hear us. And so we need to reach out with God's love, show them that God loves them through our actions, and then when the opportunity comes, speak truth into their lives. So we're called to, to reach out and, and invite people into that relationship with Christ, but we're also called to help people grow in their faith. So as we're called to baptize, we're also called to teach people to obey all that, God has, all that Jesus had taught his disciples. And it's teaching them to obey. It's more than just information, right? Information is important, but it must lead to transformation. All the, all the knowledge and scripture verses in the Bible you can memorize. If it doesn't lead to transformation, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. And so it's, it's, it's leading people to not just know what God has commanded, but to obey it, to live it out in their lives. It's a life modeled after Christ. Obedience is the response to God's love for us. John fourteen fifteen 15 uh, says, if you love me, this is Jesus speaking, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And actually, he says uh, a similar, uh, almost word for word, but similar uh, message to that two more times in that chapter. Something must be important if he repeats it over and over again in the same, same conversation with his disciples. Our obedience to God is in response to his love for us. It's not what earns our love, or earned God's love for us, but it's in response to the love that God has already shown us. So discipleship is more than just saying, you know, the sinner's prayer or even just going to church, but it's about submitting to the authority of Christ and learning to live for him. And it's a lifelong process. We don't get there overnight. That's for sure. But it's something that we go day in, day out. It's that ongoing process of becoming more like him. So the question then, if this is what we're called to do, if we're called to go and make disciples, where are we called to do it? What is, where are we supposed to live out this calling? And we get that from Acts 1, 6-8. Uh, Pastor Dave actually mentioned this when he was sharing earlier. But Jesus is, is again uh, calling his disciples to go forth, or calling his apostles to then go forth and make disciples. And he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What these do is these, these, these areas almost form concentric circles. You can think about it that way if you're a visual person. Where Jerusalem is our, is, is our neighborhood. It's that place that we spend most of our time. It's, it's the place that we're comfortable with. could be your family, your friends, your job, uh, your neighborhood. You know, it's that place where you interact with people on a regular basis. We're called to go and make disciples there. But it's bigger than that, too. We're called to go to Judea, which is maybe a little bit bigger circle there. It may not be the people you interact with day in, day out, but it's people that you know, people that look and act and think like you, people that you would, you maybe don't have that relationship with, but it would be easy to, to make a connection, people that uh, you can easily connect to. You go a little wider out there and, and look at Samaria, 
Now, these are the people that lived in that same region, but they were the people that didn't look and act and think and talk like the Jews did, you know, like the disciples would have been comfortable with. They were the people that they often tried to avoid, right? You see them in the supermarket and you just go to the next aisle over instead. You know, those are the people that God also calls us to reach those people too. Samaria was, was right in between Jerusalem and Galilee. And so when people would travel north and south, they would actually go miles and miles and miles out of their way just to avoid interacting with the Samaritans. But yet Jesus says we need to go reach them as well. And finally, he says to reach the ends of the earth. And this is often what we typically think of when we think of missions, people that go to Africa or Nepal or Russia, right? People that are going out and serving in the mission field. And it's true that we're not all called to go to those places, but we can support those who are, whether it's financially, but I know, you know, Pastor Dave would say through prayer. That's the most, that's the thing that, that missionaries who are out in the field covet more than anything else is our prayers and their spiritual support and encouragement in that way. So we're called to go and enrich the body of Christ. We're called to, to reach out to those who don't know Christ and to, to invite them into the family of God, to be ambassadors in a world that doesn't know him. So my question for you in closing is, what are your areas of influence? How can you be an ambassador for Christ in those areas? What's your Jerusalem? What's your Judea? What's your Samaria? Where are your ends of the earth? And how can you have an impact in those areas for Christ? Because if we just focus in on ourselves as a church, if it's all just about us and what happens in, in between these walls, uh, we're missing it. We're missing the point. We're called to, to reach out and invite those who don't know Christ to know him so that they can then enter into his kingdom, enter into his family, and they can be a part of what we're doing here. People may not, you may reach out to, to people, they may not come to First Church, and that's okay, but they may connect somewhere else, and that's great. But the important thing is that we're reaching out into a world that needs Christ with his love. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would Give us the courage to step out, to enrich the body of Christ by going forth and supporting fellow disciples. It's not easy. Sometimes there's uncertainty involved with it. But Lord, it's what you call us to do. So give us the strength. Give us the courage. Give us the power of your spirit to reach out and to speak words of truth and show people the love of God. That's in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. In closing, I invite you to stand and and we'll sing the first verse is number 76, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.